0: Reignite on RTE Radio 1 With AIB It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business We see it We back it
1: well, in time, as we get back to thinking about the future, I hope our next guest can help rally resilience and persistence and reignite a can-do attitude in all of us. Amy Webb is a quantitative futurist and a best-selling, award-winning author. She has advised CEOs of some of the world's largest companies and was named by Forbes as one of the five women changing the world. Amy, I've seen you speak many times in the US and it strikes me that the world you imagined in your trends reports over the last 13 years, looks very different now in the midst of a global pandemic. Does this moment of uncertainty scare you?
0: You know, it does and it doesn't. The work that I do is longitudinal in nature. So the signals that I'm really looking for aren't flashes in the pan. I, I don't predict fashion trends. I'm looking at the intersection of technology, science, business, government, human behaviour, And I know that the world feels like it's been turned upside down in the wake of the coronavirus. However, there's kind of a lot of change that has been in the process of happening. My job every day is to confront deep uncertainty. I would say that I'm having to do that more often throughout the day and throughout the week and the month than I might have had to do before
1: And you mentioned there, yes, people's worlds have been turned upside down in COVID. We're confronting a period of deep uncertainty. It's hard for people to really think about the future right now. But do you think Mm -hmm. that from this moment of what feels like catastrophe, a moment of reset, that it can actually be a catalyst for new opportunities?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is precisely these moments of great change throughout human history, when people have rallied, and they have reinvented how they live and how they work, and they've innovated solutions. I recognize that we're living through an extraordinarily difficult time. I also see a lot of human ingenuity that is going to get us out of this mess.
1: So human ingenuity. Paint me a picture of 2035, what that might look like. I, I've heard you describe it as the synthetic decade that lies ahead.
0: We are looking at lots of new potential remedies to the virus because of something called synthetic biology. This is where we don't just edit the genome, but that we actually write to it as well, kind of like write-level permissions. This is really important because if we want to get to a much faster vaccine or even cure for COVID, we're going to have to rapidly test lots of assumptions, you know, continuously come up with different versions of drugs. This is why it usually takes 10 years to get to a new vaccine. The intersection of artificial intelligence and Engineering and biology has resulted in something called synthetic biology, and that's going to make it far easier and cheaper and more time efficient for us to get to a cure. With the emergence of the virus, there's all this money and attention now in this area, which will also have some positive spillover effects into better agriculture, ways to eat plastics that we're, we're throwing away, and the like. We're also seeing some. I don't know how everybody in Ireland is going to feel about this, but we've seen some experimentation in new ways to come up with uh, beer, different types of beer, printing beer rather than brewing beer. don't think it's going to Um, taste the same. (laughs) I I don't see that as being on tap at the pub (laughs) down the street. So that's sort of happening. And I know a lot of people have heard about deep fakes, which is using artificial intelligence to put people's faces onto other bodies and things like that. Well, that is an area that's advancing quite a bit, too. And not only can you face swap with somebody else, you know, you can generate an entire person. In fact, there are a couple of online marketplaces where you can license what looks like a real person and their voice, and you can type words in and make them say anything you want. So the the year 2035, how that's different from the year 2020, is that I think in the year 2020, we can edit things. 15 years from now, we won't just be editing, but we will be creating from scratch new types of living programmable organisms, new types of synthetic content that's generative. You know, I think things will look pretty different.
1: As you say, this synthetic decade, the advances in AI, there will be good to come off that, maybe stopping wildfires, building vaccines. There is going to be the bad, the deep fakes you talk about, but then there's going to be the bizarre. Talk to me about the digital twins, the AKB48, I read about in your 406 uh, trends in this year's report.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of numbers <laughs> I have to keep dragging. Listen, I am not an optimist. I don't, I'm not a pessimist either, I'm a pragmatist. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity. Everything that I've just mentioned can also be weaponized. And, you know, it can also just be used to deceive. So there was a band in Japan called AKB48, which was, I think they're still around. It's it's uh, it's like an all-girls supergroup with 48 members. So anyhow, a couple years ago, it was revealed that one of the most popular members of this band, who was everywhere, she was in cosmetic advertisements, in commercials. It turns out she wasn't real. Um, She was a very early version of a sort of a digital avatar that was an amalgam of the best features of all the other girls in that band. There's a lot wrong with what I just said, right? I don't know that we should be creating um, digital avatars and fooling people. And we certainly shouldn't do a beauty contest to see who's got the best features that we're going to mushed together into one person. We're getting closer to a point in time when you can create your own digital twin. I've created several versions of myself, mostly just to screw around with the technology and learn. Um, I wouldn't deploy myself for, for any real purpose, but I created at this Online News Association conference an AI version of me that I made gender neutral. I called it Akira. And I sort of said while I was giving the speech, if anybody wants to ask questions, just you know go ask Akira. And during that talk, I was also live tweeting. So there were like different versions of me all interacting with people at the same time. It was probably a little overwhelming. Anyways, the real point of this AI version of me that I made was actually not to answer questions about tech trends or research. I was curious to collect information about how people would react with a digital version of me Mm -hmm. and within the first hour you know there was everything you would expect legitimate questions and also a lot of really salacious questions like what are you wearing do you have a boyfriend and and this is exactly the group of people that you would assume would not do something like that so anytime anybody tried to ask that type of a question um i had programmed a response that was like hey here's why it's really bad to talk to chatbots that way Mm -hmm. this is what you're doing
1: And that future you describe, it will strike fear into people listening today. It raises a lot of moral, ethical issues. It raises privacy issues. How do you think about those fears of people saying, well, you know, the robots are coming, my jobs are going to be automated? What's the balance that needs to be struck?
0: Right. So I think first and foremost, it's really important to decouple what is AI from what is the container for AI. So we tend to conflate artificial intelligence with robots or computers which are just the containers for code i'm much less concerned about walking talking robots coming to murder me in my sleep or certain ai functions eliminating the jobs of sort of everyday people what i'm more concerned about is how ai changes the nature of work and what happens when ai systems start to self-propagate which is what they're being designed to do so there's a huge misnomer that AI is going to eliminate tons of, of like blue-collar factory jobs. The factory jobs are actually pretty hard to do. And if you're somebody who's a plumber or a, or a mason, uh, somebody who works in like bricklaying or, or any of the, the skills that you would have had to apprentice and learn from a generation of people before you, woodworking, things like that, those are skills that robots cannot do. There are lots of different toilets in the world. Everybody's bathroom looks a little different. It would be hard for a robot to go in and fix a broken toilet at this point because there's too many variables. The jobs that are going to go away first are actually the white collar jobs. Somehow the whole world has gotten this wrong. These are the cognitive skills that are repetitive and maybe don't require like higher order strategic thinking. And the problem is that a lot of the, that the business models built in these pyramids where you have a ton of people on the bottom doing a lot of repetitive work and feeding that into this sort of higher tiered system on the top that that's how they make money it's how law firms make money quite frankly that's how a lot of news organizations are are organized and it's that work that forms the basis of the bottom of these pyramids that's going to get eliminated and that's going to have a huge impact on the economy it's right for us to think about our jobs going away, but we need to have a much better understanding of which jobs are likely to go away in what order so we can plan.
1: And I know you normally look at scenarios from a catastrophic and an optimistic point of view here in August 2020, the midst of a global pandemic. Give me briefly your catastrophic scenario for 2020 and beyond and maybe your optimistic scenario.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm laughing because we're literally living in the catastrophic scenario. <laughs> yes, indeed. I mean, I don't know that I could have written something worse than what we're currently in. Everybody always imagines like an alien invasion to save us. You know, that's when humanity unites and we all get together and, and fight the evil aliens from another world. Aren't we living in that right now? I mean, we've got evil aliens and it's the virus that's attacking all of us. And somehow this is not the thing that brought the world together it has not only caused more divisiveness between nations in the country that I'm currently living, the United States, it's totally torn us apart. Where do we go from here? I guess the catastrophic framing is the track that the United States is currently on, which is we continue to not heed public health warnings, and we pursue our individual interests over what's better for everybody else. Uh, The virus continues to spread and get worse, and we hit flu season And there's an election year in the United States, and maybe that causes part of that election to go off the rails and things get worse. But let's end on an optimistic point of view. Listen, I think one of the interesting things about this moment that we're living in is that there's been an acceleration in key areas of technology, science and medicine. If we can allow ourselves to get past politics, some net benefits of the COVID virus could mean we are much more flexible in how we're working we have a much better sense of where our public health systems have failed and how to fix them. We work much harder on preventative medicine than uh, responding to problems after the fact. We see how brittle our economies really are under certain circumstances, and we take measures to fix them. I mean, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to take a good, hard look in the mirror at the societies that we've created and at our government structures and to ask ourselves, you know, what should we fix? And if I think we choose to do that, the future is nothing but better.
1: Okay, well, thank you, Amy Webb, for ending on that positive, hopeful note. Coming up, we talk to people who are already building their version of 2035. We get advice from former rugby captain turned investor and executive coach Jamie Heaslip and much more. Keep your text messages coming on 51551 or email us at reignite at rt.ie.